The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, episode 171. Captain DeBridge. Spock here. Make it so. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores. We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we'll be discussing the latest episode of Lower Decks called An Embarrassment of Duplers. And joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Sika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. Folks, uh, follow the secrets of Star Trek in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or at the SQPN YouTube channel. We should also make sure to hit the bell to get notifications. And I want to tell you about another uh, StarQuest podcast you definitely want to check out called American Is Catholic. Is it American Catholic History? It is American Catholic. Jimmy, you are like psychic. Wow. It is American Catholic <laughs> History. <laughs> I, I also talked about this when we recorded Secrets of Doctor Who. But American Catholic History is a great <laughs> podcast by Tom and Noel Crow, where in about 20 minutes every week, they talk about an interesting person, place, or thing throughout the last several hundred years in the United States. It uh, doesn't have to be someone famous. In fact, often it isn't someone you ever heard of before, but it will be fascinating nonetheless. Find it wherever you find fine podcasts or at sqpn.com slash history. Uh, we also will have some listener feedback at the end, so stick around for that. Uh, and before we get to our discussion of Lower Decks, an embarrassment of duplers, this past September 8th, as we record this, is Star Trek Day that, uh, because... <laughs> You know, Star Wars has May 4th. Star Trek has mm -hmm. September 8th because that is the anniversary of the date in which Star Trek, the original series, premiered. And gotta so, have your IP day. Yes, you gotta yep, have your exactly. day. Uh, it's still not as, I don't think it's 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 the same as Star, Star Wars. But, you know, work on it, Star Trek. Keep doing it. I'm, I'm happy they, to. They should have made it Federation <laughs> Day is what they should have done because they established what day of the year that is. Yeah. They should have just made it Federation Day to, is, to compete with May the 4th. Right. Because May the 4th isn't an anniversary date. It's because it sounds like May the 4th be with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, just catchy, more, much more catchy than anything Star Trek could have. <laughs> it is. Uh, so there was a news that came out on the on Star Trek Day. And uh, the first bit of news was that the new series, Star Trek Prodigy, which is another animated series, is going to debut on October 28th. So that's going to be on Nickelodeon. And it's so it's mm -hmm. aimed at a younger crowd. And it's the one that features uh, a group of Delta Quadrant kids who encounter a Catherine Janeway uh, emergency Cap emergency captain hologram yes. aboard yep. something that looks like Voyager. Is it Voyager or Prometheus? I wonder if it was. I the, don't know. Because they left Prometheus it, behind, didn't they? I and don't know. Yeah. It was, no, well, Prometheus, well, Pr Prometheus was in the uh, Alpha Quadrant because that was the ship the doctor got. Yeah. beamed over to from uh, the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah. Right, right, right. I was wondering if it was like the reconstituted demon planet Voyager that went squish at the end of its episode. Oh, right, right. That's an interesting yeah, I, don't, I don't think it was a Voyager. I think it was supposed to be like a, a prototype 
Federation ship that somehow ended up in the Delta that, Quadrant. I'm sure it's going to be. That's a good theory, and that would explain why it has the emergency captain hologram on it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, it, and it will feature, um, um, what's her name? Captain Janeway, the actual actress. Uh, my Mrs. Mind. Columbo. Mrs. Columbo, right. <laughs> That's the, that, all our audience will, will now understand what I'm talking about. But uh, she's going to be, uh, her voice talents will be on it, as well as a bunch of others. Kate Mulgrew. Yeah, Kate, yep. thank you. Yeah. Uh, also, we found out that Discovery Season 4 will premiere on November 18th. So and that's- there was... Some rejoicing, yeah, maybe. So that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, and that's a thing that's going to happen. <laughs> yep. Um, I don't have much to say about. I don't have high hopes for season four, but uh, well, one one irritating thing is they're going to have two Star Treks. They're not spacing them out, so Prodigy and Discovery will be running concurrently towards the end of Prodigy. Yeah, I know which so. one I would have to be tortured less to watch. <laughs> yeah, actually, Prodigy Prodigy looks interesting. It, it looks like it, it could does. be could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that should be interesting. The other, the, another bit of news, uh, they were full of news. So we got Picard season two is coming in February. At well, some if you're going to be full of something, news is a good thing. <laughs> I'm usually full of the other thing, but uh, this time I'm full of news. And so uh, that that's coming in February. So we get season two of that. We've got uh, season three. They announced that there's going to be a season three. God willing uh, that <laughs> Patrick Stewart is around for that. Uh, what what I'm curious is, will there be more than season three? Because given yeah. Patrick Stewart's age, the initial thought was like, let's do three seasons of this. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see if they go beyond that. Given that they've got other shows that they've got on the back burner, like the Section 31 series and other stuff like that, I can't ima- I can imagine that they would move on to other Star Trek after. I can I can, too. But if he's game for it, he's a moneymaker for them. He is. Oh, yeah. I wonder if they'll develop the rest of the crew into something new that they could continue on without him if he doesn't want to continue. And it's possible. I think they could spin off the crew in a different series. Yeah. Yeah. So we got a trailer for the new season, a new trailer as well. And that it was interesting in that we got to see Q, but we also got to see the Borg Queen, not played by Alice Krieg from the movies and Voyager, but by mm-hmm. Annie Warsh. I can never pronounce her name. New gal. Yes. Who yeah. is really great. I've seen her in, in several different things. I've seen her in Bosch. I've seen her in uh, The Rookie. Uh, she's actually a really interesting actress and she plays bad guys really well so it'll be interesting to see her kind of curious how they bring her in i wonder if and without spoiling too much i wonder if q makes picard into a real boy again but that's my that's my theory do you mean they do a luke skywalker and de-age him for a scene no i mean given how the first season ended i wonder if picard becomes a real boy again that would be good because I just have trouble rooting for Robo Picard. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I don't want to spoil Especially anything Robo-Picard if you haven't seen that, the first season, but the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially Robo Picard that has absolutely no special abilities whatsoever and will age just like if he was a real boy yeah. anyways. Yeah. Just make him a real boy again. Yeah. Although the, I'm pretty sure they won't do that. Yeah, they should. Yeah. Uh, so the one I was most excited about, though, was the Strange New Worlds cast announcement. We don't have mm-hmm. a date on the when it's going to premiere or anything like that. But we got interesting cast announcement, including new characters who are going to be on the crew, including Uhura, which is yep. interesting. And Dr. Mbenga. Yeah, Dr. Mbenga. Mm-hmm. And someone with the last name of Noonien Singh, which is interesting, yeah. apparently Descendants. Yes. Uh, so that's all we know is the name. We don't have anything. But uh, kind of curious 
Man, that would be awkward. That'd or, be like, you or know, relation in any event. Yeah, that'd be like, you know, being Hitler's niece, you know, uh, or descendant on the Enterprise a couple hundred years in the future. That would be kind of an awkward situation. But uh, so the so the woman who's going to be playing Union Singh is Christina Chong, who's been in Doctor Who. What was she? She was. Who? She was in uh, A Good Man Goes to War. She was the soldier that wanted to meet the doctor because she ran with him. Oh, in the Delta Force? Was, was or the kid. Yeah, Force? when she was a kid. Oh, yeah. that's that the same actress. Wow, interesting. Okay, cool, cool. Well, she's got the British accent. That means she can play a villain. So. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> she's kind of overcome her past. Anyway, <laughs> the uh, the... Um, so yeah, that's the all the news that they released as far as I could find. Uh, I don't know if there's any other things that they they talked about too, but that was the big news uh, for those four series coming up. So very interesting. But let's talk about Lower Decks, which is our current uh, interest. And oh, Jimmy, that's what we're here for. Okay. We're here to yeah. have an embarrassment <laughs> of duplers. And so Jimmy, can you give us a, is... a, a recap? Oh, well, did Father have something he wanted to yeah, say? Well, I was going to say embarrassment duplers is 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 probably worse than the embarrassment of riches. So. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think the idea is uh, the title of the episode, An Embarrassment of Duplers, is like a pride of lions or a murder of crows or a tragedy yep. of telepaths where the uh, head noun indicates something about the nature of right. the class it's describing. Right. Um, in any event, this week we're back to having a Mariner Boimler adventure coupled with a Rutherford Tindy adventure. The monster of the week are the Tribbles. Only this time, the Tribbles are intelligent, can talk, and take the form of short pink humanoids named Duplers who duplicate themselves when they feel insecure as a form of emotional defense. A crisis breaks out on the Cerritos when a Dupler emissary starts duplicating out of control. This is a problem because Captain Freeman wants to go to an ultra-exclusive Starfleet party on Starbase 25, but can't with the Dupler crisis out of control. Control. Meanwhile, Mariner and Boimler sneak over to the starbase to crash the party. Boimler gets in, pretending to be his transporter clone William, but he realizes it's not fun without Mariner, so he joins her in a bar that Kirk and Spock visited when they couldn't get into the party either a century ago. On the ship, Rutherford is intimidated by the fact he can't remember many things and thinks he perhaps used to be smarter than he is now. But Tindy reassures him and helps him discover that he's equal to his former self. Captain Fremont finally snaps and loses her temper with the emotionally fragile Duplers, only to discover that this is what causes them to get a grip and start merging back together. Afterwards, she also can't get into the party, so Mariner and the gang all hang out at the Kirkspock bar and realize they're with the people they're with the people whose company they really enjoy. And they beam the Duplers into the party as revenge. <laughs> just just like at the end of Tribble episodes. Yeah. The end. Yep. It's kind of like uh like one of those eighties high school movies where you take revenge on the popular kids by doing something mm -hmm. awful to their party because they wouldn't let you in. That's that's how that was the feel of that yeah, one. Yeah, like telepathically destroy them all. <laughs> Yeah, right. I remember that, that one. Was that Carrie? Yeah, Carrie. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking more weird science, but Carrie too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Revenge of the Nerds or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds. So Richard Kind play is does the voice acting for the Dupler in this episode, and Richard Kind, if you if you hear his voice, you're going to say, I've heard that voice everywhere, and he has done so many roles throughout 
the decades. I mean, he's got a long career and he is always the, the oh, nerdy yes. insecure guy in, in everything. So I just, I wanted to shout out to Richard Kine for doing such a great job with, with this role. I, I always enjoy him. So I was interested by one aspect of this. Now the physics of this doesn't really work. Of course. Um, yeah. Because where is this mass coming from? You have one dupler and he wobbles and glows and suddenly there's two of them there and they're the same size as the original. So, you know, this really wouldn't happen this way. But I actually like the con concept of duplicating as an mm -hmm. as an emotional response because it makes a kind of evolutionary sense. Mm -hmm. If an organism is under threat or feels that it's under threat, it would make all the sense in the world to split. I mean, we mm -hmm. already have organisms that puff themselves up to look bigger. Yeah. And and they have instincts like they widen their eyes and they open their mouths and they make big noises um, reflexively, you know, as a, mm -hmm. as a defense mechanism. That's why we scream. Mm -hmm. um, I I mean, that's what it does is it makes your it makes your head look bigger. It makes your eyes look bigger and it makes you seem more intimidating because you're making this big threatening noise. Um, I remember one um, one day I was coming home and it was raining and there was this cat. It was night. And there was this cat that wanted into my house. And I and I'm standing there at the door and I didn't see the cat sneaking up. But I'm opening I'm, you know, got the key in the door and I'm opening it up and I look down and there's this cat and the cat looks up at me and its eyes get big and its mouth open. And I look down and my eyes get big and my mouth open and we both scream at each other <laughs> because we're surprised. <laughs> and it's like evolutionary response. So you know, this kind of threat response mechanism of suddenly there's more of me. So if one of me gets eaten, it's OK. The other will survive. Right. Mm -hmm. Actually makes a lot of sense. Um, so I thought that was actually I, I thought that was nice. Um, it, it, it makes some sense that if an organism feels threatened, it would dupl it would duplicate itself if it could. Now, the thermodynamics of that, would it would the duplication cause a heat loss or heat increase? Uh, well, since it's a closed system, presumably it would be an increase in entropy and thus heat. Oh, yeah. Um, so there should be a little bit, it's going to take energy to split. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. that's going to release heat. Um, now if we were going to do this in the Marvel comics handbook style, uh -huh. they'd just be pulling all this extra mass and energy from a parallel dimension. Right. That's right. a good idea. Let's, let's go with that. That's headcanon. <laughs> so yeah. one of the, oh, go ahead, Father Crow, are you going to say something? Oh, I was, was going to say, I mean, this, this is. Otherwise, we're running into the moon egg problem where <laughs> you spit out an egg, a creature breaks from an egg <sighs> and then lays another egg that's the same exact size of the egg it just broke out of. Oh, the moon egg. Dr. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I'll shake that off and move on, because one of the things I want to mention is, is that there was a the idea of duplicates or duplication was a major theme of this episode. It wasn't just the dupler. You know, it was. Boimler posing as his clone, his transporter clone. There was the bubble baths in the shape of data, although some of them might be lore, which is a kind of a joke since <laughs> they're yeah. identical. That, that was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> one or two of them might be lore. Uh, but uh, the com data commemorative bubble bath holders was great. And <laughs> I, part of me wants to say they're all lores and the guy's just trying to pass them off as datas. <laughs> which, of course, but doesn't who matter. Who would but... want lore bubble baths? in the Star Trek universe. <laughs> right. Why not? <laughs> right. Uh, so the, uh, were there, did you guys notice any other like duplication ideas well, or, or well, symbols? 
not so much duplication, but doubles where, you know, uh, Boimler got into the party and it was always the captain and their number one. Right. So it's twins, yeah, Captain like, Shelby, of course, Captain Shelby from uh, the Borg episode, the right. Borg two parter from TNG. Best of both and her worlds. number one. Yeah. Beth Bolsworth worlds. I think I couldn't remember the name of it, but yeah. Uh, and all these other captains and their number ones. And then, of course, there's later the discussion between Boimler and Mariner about who's the number, who's the captain, who's the number one. But yeah, and they're in their they're, they're duo. Well, and in fact, Rutherford kind of has a, a duology going on with him and his previous self, like his pre-memory loss self, that mm-hmm. he's got this internal conflict over, am I as good as I was before? And that that's his 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 conflict in the episode. So, yeah, that that's there, too. I just thought it was kind of clever that they put all of the these little hints at doubles and duplicates, which occurred throughout Star Trek all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the only ones yep. like there are more that they could have done that they didn't do. Well, while we're mentioning uh, Captain Shelby. So when we saw her, she was a commander. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But she's been promoted to captain. And her number one is this weird looking alien. I mean, he's humanoid from the neck down, but he's got this V-shaped head with like a bazillion eyes on it. Yeah. And we've actually seen that design over on on uh, Discovery. And that was the original design for the Kelpians. That's what mm. Saru was going to look oh, like. Oh, right. But wow. they decided that shortly it, before they started filming that um, you couldn't emote effectively <laughs> through that kind of headgear and with that yeah. many eyes. And they it also would be a pain to CGI the eyes so they're always moving and stuff. Yeah. Um, so they, uh, they redesigned his uh, prosthetic makeup. Okay. Mm. Okay. That that's interesting. interesting. Yeah, I I also like um they have another one. I forget the name, but they have another captain that's like eight inches tall, and, <laughs> right. and his, he's sitting on the shoulder of his number one. <laughs> right. yeah. It's like a, like a was dummy. It was yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Also, um, so uh, Captain Shelby is one of two next generation characters that makes an appearance yes. in this episode. The other is. Is uh is the character Akona from the really really stupid um I believe second <laughs> oh, season yeah. episode the outrageous Akona yes if you yeah. ever if you ever want to read a, a comedy takedown of that go to the Agony Booth on online and uh-huh. read their multi part epic discussion <laughs> of the outrageous Akona and how bad it is. Um, he's basically a failed Han Solo. Yes. He's, I mean, that's mm. what they were going for. They're trying to make a Star Trek equivalent to Han Solo completely failed. Yeah. And so here he's in the party. Um, when, when Captain Rutherford, uh, Freeman. Captain Freeman shows yeah. up and she's denied access to the party. It's mentioned that Akona is in the party as the DJ. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she says, Akona, he's not even Starfleet. This is outrageous. <laughs> And I, I love the Mato reference to the outrageous Akona episode title. That is that is good. Uh, by the way, the mention of uh, Boimler and Mariner's debate over who's the number one and who's the captain. Uh, Mariner eventually walks away saying, Boimler is my number one. Now he has to grow a beard, which is a reference yeah. to the Riker beard, uh, which yeah. is good, too. Um, well, and Ransom on, on the Cerritos. It oh, seems right. to be a first officer thing or something <laughs> that's true that's true uh there's a uh, there is a also yet another quarks on this star base so quark is apparently franchised all over the galaxy all over the alpha and beta quadrant so that's good for him 
Yeah. So Mariner used to live on Starbase 25, yep. another thing from her past. And when she sees the quarks, she says, oh, hey, they've got a quarks now. That used to just be an empty lot where teenagers made mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the, the phrasing of that. Empty lot. Everyone, every town has that empty lot where teenagers, quote unquote, make mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is a uh, so, so she ends up encountering some underworld figures from her previous time on the Starbase because surprise Mariner was involved with some shady characters when she was there and they end yeah, up. Oh, and she, she, she was known to them instead of as Beckett Mariner as Becky Mariner. <laughs> yes. Mm. Yeah. And it's actually it, uh, threatens Boimler. <laughs> Don't even think about it. And uh, they kind of rope her into basically we can get you into the party, but you have to do this job for us, which is smuggling these data bubble baths somewhere else but it turns out well it's taking the data bubble bath crates of data data bubble baths to some storage bay and putting them there yeah or something but underneath the bubble bath are hidden illegal weapons right which they don't know and they end up uh, being chased by the cops the station security who's apparently corrupt <laughs> Uh, through the starbase, uh, the the whole starbase on these dune buggy sort of vehicles. Yeah, we get a car chase. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, didn't know we needed a car chase in Star Trek, but apparently we did. Oh, I, yes. I I normally hate car chases because they are nothing interesting will happen until the car chase is over with the plot. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. The exception to that is uh, the French Connection. The French Connection. Yeah, the French Connection has an awesome car chase. The greatest in cinema history, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, um, but this one I didn't mind because we get lots of eye candy as we're going oh, through yeah. it and jokes and things like that. Yeah. Um, at one point they pass a guy in a Pike wheelchair and he blinks twice for no. <laughs> right, um, going slow <laughs> yeah. And, and then they, they, they uh, pass. Also they have little um, things that Boimler says whenever they pass through a location to let the audience know what we're looking at, even though yep. it's obvious. Yeah. Um, so like the first, I forget the first thing they go through, but um, casino, casino, right. And he goes like casino and then barbershop <laughs> and then fine men's wear and <laughs> yeah. Vulcans, Vulcans, Vulcans and stuff like that. Right. And at one point they're coming up on some people. I, they were from an early next gen episode uh, where they were, it, it, but they're this kind of fish headed people. And they're carting an aquarium with some kind of, you know, uh, soft-bodied octopoid thing in it. Mm -hmm. And Boimler yells, fish people! And as they pass, one of the fish people yells, hey, we're not people! <laughs> <laughs> there, There is a... I forgot to mention with Mariner, when she encounters this underworld figure, he's mad at her because she left him on SETI Alpha... <laughs> Which City is Alpha, like City Alpha Four. City Alpha Four, yeah, yes. which is much worse than City Alpha Five, <laughs> right? And she's like, yeah. and she says, "I'm sorry, I left you on City Alpha. I really thought there was life there." It was like replaying the whole Con Kirk thing from yep. Rathacon. Yeah. <laughs> Only one good. one planet down. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, and, and and then I really like. So his name is Malvus, and he and Boimler start bonding right. because <laughs> they've both been abandoned by by uh, by Beckett. Meredith. Yeah, and yeah, and um, and so they start. <laughs> having uh, Mariner abandonment bonding. And uh, Malvis says to Boimler, it is so nice to meet someone who understands just how infuriating it is to work with her. And <laughs> Boimler, Boimler is like right back at you. 
<laughs> now, and speaking of Boimler, Mariner, go ahead. Mariner was not happy about that. Mariner, you know, of course, she's always revealing everything that that uh, Boimler's does, but she yeah. doesn't like it when the tables are turned on her, and all of a sudden now her faults are showing. She, that yeah, that is true. Uh, I did. Oh, I didn't want to pass by the fact that when they're getting ready to go to the party, when they're still in the Cerritos, that Boimler's all excited. He's like, "What should we wear? Should we wear our scants, which is the yeah. uh, the like pilot of TNG episode?" Uh, half skirt, half pants uniform that you never see well, again. Well, except there are no pants. I don't know why right. they call yep. them scants. Um, I mean, I get the SK part of it because it's got kind of a skirt. Yeah. Um, but um, they're skinny. If you if you look at <laughs> if you well, that's see. I think that's the real reason is yeah. they are yep. S C A N T scant. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, but. If you look at Memory Alpha's page on Starfleet uniforms, they even class like the kind of sh- short dress that Uhura would wear back in right. TOS as a scant. Uh, and then they do have them in uh, in Next Gen in the first two seasons. Um, mm-hmm. In the pilot, both Deanna Troy and Tasha Yar wear them. Yep. But right. Tasha never wears them again. And you sometimes uh, and and then um, you will see them for with, with background characters, right. but they phase them out by the mid um, middle of season two or something because they look stupid, especially <laughs> when they put them on men yeah. in the background. Yes. Yeah. Well, also then they had the dress uniform, which sets the other uh, or Becca. Boimler is holding two. He's holding the shorter one, but he's also got the long dress uniform right. version that we see Picard wear during TNG as well. Right. right. <laughs> and those you do wear pants with. Yes. Yep. Always wear pants to these Starfleet parties. Uh, so I, I did like, so we, we didn't meant to talk much about Rutherford and, and Tendi yet, but uh, what the thing that they're doing is they're working on a scale model of the Cerritos that's literally a scale model. It, it's a completely <laughs> functional working model, including a warp core <laughs> in it, and a phaser they, and phasers and shields. Uh, and I, I'm like, I want that so much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want the DS nine one at the end. <laughs> yes. Yes. The big one. At, at one point they are, um, they're being surrounded. They're surrounded by duplers and mm-hmm. they're up on top of a like disassembled shuttle craft. And Rutherford is like, Hey, don't worry. We can escape through that hatch up there on the ceiling. And Tindy's like, that hatch has been sealed shut for months. Don't you remember? No, I don't. And that's the problem. And yep. to solve the problem, they, uh, they decide to, they've got the little, the little model ship with them and they decide to eject its warp core. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they go through this procedure where the two of them like, turn keys and the little computer <laughs> voice warp core eject in five seconds and it counts it down and then it ejects this little glowing tube which Brotherford catches and it's like ooh hot 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 and then he throws it up to the ceiling where it detonates in blue light which is always a bad sign yes because yeah. that's Cherenkov radiation and you just got a dose um, <laughs> but it, it does blow open the hatch so they can escape Right, right. That that was yeah. That whole sequence where they have to turn the keys inside the tiny little bridge with the tiny little keys. Yeah, that was that was good. Uh, and so we have this Kirk bar, Kirk and Spock bar that at the end where it turns out they they this is where Mariner and Boimler go when they can't get into the yeah. to the big party. And we, we should we should mention it's not called that. Oh, and yeah. there are no no images of Kirk and Spock there, so it's not themed with them. But it is mm-hmm. this 
bar that they went to over a century ago when they were denied gate crashing of the big party. Right. And they carved or Kirk carved their carved their yeah. names into the into the uh, surface of the bar. I cannot picture yep. Spock carving his <laughs> captain. That yeah. is highly illogical. <laughs> well, it didn't sound like yeah. he, he drank much either because you said the, the, the blonde one did all the drinking. <laughs> right. <Kirk. laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, there was a nice little moment like because it shows how even a century later, people still revere Kirk and Spock as the legends that they are, et cetera, et cetera. Um, one of the things. And, and by the end of the episode, uh, we next to Kirk plus Spock, we have Mariner plus Beckett carved mm-hmm. into the bar mm-hmm. or Mariner plus Boimler implying that a century from now they'll be revered like Kirk and Spock. Yes. Once again, by the way, we get uh, someone who kind of assumes that Boimler and Mariner are dating and they say, mm-hmm. ew. So like this, this is, yeah. has become a theme. <laughs> ew, gross. Like, I don't want to think about it. And I wonder, are they just really emphasizing the fact that there's never going to be a romantic relationship, that this was really just going to be, they're a team like Kirk and Spock. And it's not about romance. Just think of them as a team. I don't know. I don't know if they know where they're going with that. Yeah. No. They, 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 it's a joke they keep playing, though. So it's kind of uh, funny. Uh, we'll see how that goes. So any other uh, notes about this episode, Father Corey? I love the uh, uh, the insults. You know, they're, of course, they're insulting the uh, the the, the duplers. And you know, one of them is, I hope it. Uh, uh, Captain Freeman says, "I I hope a temporal temporal anomaly wipes you from existence." <laughs> yes. uh, Shax says, "Your paw is weak, and I'm offended by you." I love the line. Yeah, it's your paw is weak, and it disgusts me. It disgusts and, me. and the dupler says. I don't even know what that is, but I don't like your tone. And, <laughs> and but I love that insult because it every time on Deep Space Nine somebody grabs somebody else's ear, it's like your paw is strong, right? It's yep. like nobody ever has an average paw or a weak paw, or your <laughs> paw is a little flabby and kind of needs to go on a diet or anything. It's always your paw is strong. And yep. I liked having I liked having your pies weak and it disgusted me. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, there was a lot of good ones there. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. I said that's that's all I got. Okay, so. Jimmy. Oh, I have a number. Uh, for for once, uh, this episode has no cold open. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. It we go straight into the opening credits, which is a little surprising. Um. Also, there's a scene early on where uh, Boimler and Mariner are stacking crates in a cargo bay, mm-hmm. and she's commenting on how this is like their job, apparently, just <laughs> stacking crates in cargo bays, because we see a lot of that in yeah. Next mm-hmm. Gen. Um, and Boimler adjusts one of the crates ever so slightly, and <laughs> and that I liked just as an animation fan. Because right. that costs money to yeah. have him do mm-hmm. that. And in the old days, you would never see that because that's a non-essential action. It's essentially a little throwaway joke that that it's not even meant to be very funny. It's just a little throwaway thing. Either Beckett has been sloppy or Boimler is being, you know, a little obsessive compulsive or both. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's all this little gesture communicates, but it costs money to do that. And it required the writers to think of this and then tell the animators to do it because the animators don't just start doing stuff 
that deviates from the script. Right. And right. so I like the thought that went into that. And I like the fact that we're not dealing with the limited animation of the 1960s and 70s, mm-hmm. like Clutch Cargo or whatever, where this would never happen because it's right. a non-essential action and you need to keep the number of frames you're drawing as small as possible. Right. right. Um even the old Star Trek animated series wouldn't have done something like that because of how limited the animation was. Yeah. Um, kind of when, when uh, think about that, you notice too, the one that he moves, it's just a little bit different color. Yeah. Which, you know, you always see, you know, like I remember all the old Scooby-Doo yeah. cartoons and stuff like that. You know, the door they were going to go into was always just a little bit different color than yes. the other ones right. were. Because it was painted with a different batch of paint than exactly. the background image. Uh, that doesn't apply anymore. They could make it the same color exactly because this is all digital. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they could make it exactly the same color if they wanted. If they did that, I would assume that also was intentional. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, speaking of the animated series, we get some uh, returning alien species from the animated series. Mm-hmm. There's an episode we haven't yet watched called Jihad. Um, or at least that's the name of the novelization. It may be the name of the episode as well. Uh, but we have these bird people in it known as the score. Right. And we get to see some score in this. And the same episode has this little caterpillar looking guy called M3 Green. And his species doesn't have a name, but we see multiple members of the M3 Green species at the party. There's the bouncer and there's a bartender and there are, are drink and hors d'oeuvre servers walking around and they're all members of M3 Green's race. So I like seeing them. Mm-hmm. Um, we also got kind of some series arc closure um, in that Boimler had, even though Mariner abandons people, Boimler had abandoned Mariner at the end of last season when he took the promotion to the Titan mm-hmm. without talking to her and saying, I'm going. He left without saying goodbye. And so she's been waiting for an apology all this time. But being Mariner has not adequately communicated that to him. Uh, but he finally gives her an apology in this episode. And so we have some closure there in the um, in the in the scene where they're having the dupl- the biggest Dupler crisis on the Cerritos uh, and the bridge crew is dealing with it. There's a moment where the Duplers are carrying away shacks like he's in a mosh pit. <laughs> and he's like, I'm sorry, Captain, the crowd has me now. And, uh, and, and then once Captain Freeman discovers that the way to make them get a grip and suck it up and pull it together literally is to insult them. And that also kind of makes sense, you know, evolutionarily, if like, if you've duplicated and you continue to feel under threat, maybe you want to recombine to be a smaller target or to summon your resources for a counterattack or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she gets on the intercom and tells them to to, to start cussing the dupl- the duplers out. And she says, I know you're Starfleet, but really give them a piece of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> And Dr. Ta'ana does. She continues <laughs> yeah. to be the most foul-mouthed of the bridge crew with lots of bleeps. Yes. <laughs> the uh, engineer had one that was a fairly mild uh, insult, but was effective nonetheless. Yeah. So, yeah, that was good. Uh, also, there is an in-joke that uh, that most fans would not recognize because it hasn't appeared on screen before. But... Um, 
way back in Deep Space Nine, there was a discussion between um, Kira and Odo about where they were going to have lunch. And they were talking about having lunch at the Klingon restaurant. And mm-hmm. Kira said uh, she wanted to go there because she wanted to have broiled crotta leg. And right. so a crotta is apparently a kind of animal that is served in Klingon space with its legs broiled. And so then in the Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry episode of Discovery, which was a first season episode, uh, you had uh, Laurel and Vok, you know, the Klingons, on the Klingon ship. And there's a scene where Laurel eats some kind of meat and like gets it all over her face and and then consumes it. And um, the actress who plays Laurel said that was meant to be crotta meat. Okay. Mm. And um, and she and Shazad Latif, who played Vok and Ash Tyler, got to joking around about crotta legs, and somehow they would put on this accent. And exclaim, "Mr. Cradleleg!" <laughs> and it it became it became a joke between the two of them, um, and they would use it. To, so this is kind of like in Babylon Five, Peter Jurisic, who played Londo Malari, would get into his character by saying, "Mr. Garibaldi," yeah. and it would mm. put him in character. And so apparently. Shazad Latif and Shefo, the actress who plays Laurel, would uh, use this as a recurring gag to kind of psychologically anchor themselves. Mr. Kradaleg! And um, and they would use that as they were filming Discovery. Well, okay, so right outside the Kirk Spock bar, there is a concession stand called <laughs> Mr. Kradaleg. And, <laughs> wow. and it's apparently like serving these kebab-like pieces of crotta meat that we see, you know, Dr. Ta'ana and the others eating. That is a deep cut. That is good. That is great. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that was that was good. There was a couple. Yeah, there was a lot. Like most episodes of Lower Decks, there's a lot of little bits here and there. Oh, yeah. We didn't mention half of them. It would otherwise it would be welcome to secrets of Star Trek fan service. (laughs) Yeah, right. right. Although I I do have to mention. Go ahead, Father Corey. Go ahead. I was going to say, and the bar was full of all kinds of stuff. You know, there was a model of the, the Phoenix from uh, First Contact, yes, the, the yeah. first warp, Earth warp ship. And there the was Guardian Forever. Yep. Yeah. So I was going to mention the uh, the DS9 model that Tendi gives Rutherford at the end, which comes with both Jadzia and Ezri Dax. Yeah, I know. yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> it's like when you're getting a Lego set with, with the uh, minifigs in it. So that's, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. By the way, from Cork, by the way. <laughs> of course. We should mention this episode. So last episode of Secrets of Star Trek, we expressed a concern about how there was some non-family friendly content that had mm-hmm. been in recent episodes. And we were wondering, is this a trend? The good news is this episode does not have any of that. Yes, that was yep. that was good to see that that it's probably it may not be a one off thing that they do, but it doesn't seem to be something that they've decided to include in everything. So, All right. So that. uh concludes our discussion of the embarrassment of duplers but we like i said we have some listener feedback on that episode uh, once our episode 170 on mugato gumato and uh, speaking of that scene john fazino wrote on facebook uh, i'm really enjoying lower decks which is why it was so disappointing to see that inappropriate scene i certainly would not let my 13 year old son watch that scene either but i love the show by the way and i think he means secrets of star trek but uh, thank, thank you, you. Thank, thank you john yes. yes it is and and i you know 
we we I had that totally discussion. understand. Yeah, yeah, yep. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, Peter Garcia also wrote on Facebook. I'm not sure if it was intentional, but there was a scene in Mugato Gumato where Boimler and Rutherford were hiding from a Mugato under the roots of a tree on the side of the path, and it really reminded me of the scene from the Fellowship of the Ring movie where the hobbits have to hide in a similar spot from one of the ring wraiths. Anyone else catch that? I totally yeah. thought that and yep. forgot to mention it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same here. Yeah. Same uh, here. Occurred to me also. And that's not just in the uh, Peter Jackson version of Lord of the Rings. It's also in the Ralph Bakshi version. So I guess it's mm-hmm. in the in the books, although I haven't fully read the books. I, I believe it, it's been years since I've read the books, but I believe it is a scene there where they're hiding under the, the roots of the tree. Yeah. There's definitely a scene where they hide from the ring wraith on the road out of the Shire. I'm not sure if it mentions tree roots, but it pro- I think it does. But it's become mm-hmm. iconic. It's become so such a our visual memory of that. And I, I like you were saying to me about animation, there was no mistake. I think that it was recalling that scene. So yeah, good catch, good catch. All right, we do want to uh, before we wrap up, take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Greta. Charlene C, Charles M, Sophia W, and Les. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So we'd love to hear what you think of An Embarrassment of Duplers. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Media or send an email to trek at sqpn.com. And again, thank you both to John and Peter for your feedback that you sent for this episode. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next new episode of Lower Decks. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you, and live long and prosper. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember... Your pach is weak and it disgusts me!